Good morning. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the campus pastor here. Um, I haven't actually been here since the end of October, and so I found my way back. I Google mapped it from my house, and uh, here I am. But it's a pleasure to be with all of you uh, this morning. The reason I haven't been here is we've been in a series called Teaming Together. And if you've been here, you've heard from different pastors within our network called the 17.6 Network. And we partner kind of around the country to help train leaders and to start new churches and ministries and help people come to know Christ. And we wanted to kind of give you a picture of how we team together and what God does as we team together. And so you've heard from uh, different pastors here in Southern California, from Bevan at Seabreeze Church in Huntington Beach, from the senior pastor of Church in the Valley, Randy Lanthrop in Diamond Bar, and then from the pastor of Orange Crest Community Church, Josh De La Rosa. And I've been also speaking at their churches, and we've been rotating, and it's been really fun to see their ministries, to meet their people, and see how they're reaching people in their own communities. But also, I am just really thrilled to be back here with all of you today. Uh, just thinking about Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for all of you. And today I'm wrapping up the series called The Power of Teaming. And we're going to kind of tie everything together to talk about the three things that God does to kind of bring power in our life when we choose to team with those around us. And obviously we're talking specifically about teaming within the church, teaming to help people grow in Christ, help people come to know Christ, and how God comes with us as we partner with those around us. And certainly God's put together a team here at Church in the Valley, and we want to talk about that. And then we're also in this series, as you've been able to hear, been talking about how we even choose to team as churches. And when we choose to team as churches, what we can do as an individual church gets multiplied as we team with other churches here in Southern California and here also in, in our country. So I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Uh, if you've missed any of the messages from the pastors that have come and spoken, I encourage you to listen online at churchinthevalley.com. You can also podcast every week. We have a podcast of our Sunday morning message, and so you can catch up on that as well, and I encourage you to do that. You can just search in iTunes or Google Play uh, for Church in the Valley Alhambra, and you'll, you'll find it there. So I want to kind of wrap up today talking about teaming, like I've said, but I want to take a moment just to define uh, what teaming is. But before I do that, every week you've heard from a pastor and they've showed you a video of what happens at their church. This morning, I want to show you what happens here at Church in the Valley. Can't you guys, aren't you guys so excited? Yeah, because everyone's like, hey, do we have a video? Yes, we do. So get your popcorn out and let's, let's watch that together. your hand and we'll make sure to get one to you. You trust them with your life. And you trust them with the aspects of your life. Why do you give it back? Because it's his. You trust them in that. 
that's us, right? So that was shown in Texas and Huntington Beach and Riverside. I've seen that so many times. I need to smile more. That's like my takeaway. I look kind of serious. Right? That's, that's a picture I keep seeing. Smile. So welcome. Glad you're here. Um, as, I, as I talk about teaming, I want to just take a moment to define it. Uh, because if you're like me, oftentimes we think of team like in school, like you, you have a group project. Or maybe you, you did play teams when you were younger. But as adults, oftentimes we're not on like teams that are accomplishing a lot of times a sport. Uh, oftentimes it's at work. We're in a team where we exchange ideas uh, in school. We're in a, like a group project and we have to work in a team. And oftentimes the picture looks like this, uh, where you have a group of people that are gathered around and you're all like put together, you're polished and you're you're going to team together to do something. But oftentimes this kind of teaming is the exchanging of ideas. You're talking about what you're going to do. But then you kind of break and then you do it independently many times. The teaming I want to talk about today, and it's kind of like the umbrella over this whole series, is more of a military type teaming. There's a picture for that too. Now, some of you would like prefer this picture to the other picture. And then others of you would say like, I value showers and clean clothes. However, this is the kind of teaming that you find in the scripture. It's, it's actually more mission-oriented teaming. And this is a picture of the Navy SEALs, uh, the, kind of the special forces, the highest level. And that's a picture of people that are paired together to accomplish the mission called swim buddies. In the highest level of teaming in the special forces, you have this swim buddy where they go wherever you go, you go wherever they go. And in the military, this concept of teaming is vital because if you have a group of people that are really individuals with their own goals and their own ambition, the mission and lives are actually at stake because everyone's just going to do their own thing. So in the military, the idea of teaming is you actually have to get rid of your independence and you go through this process of them kind of squeezing it out of you. You realize if you accomplish something, but you've left your team behind, you have failed. If your unit has accomplished something, but the bigger unit hasn't, you've, you've failed. And again and again, there's this concept of there is no individual. Now, for us as Christ followers, we are individuals. That's a good thing. God calls us to himself individually, and that's a good thing. He has a relationship with us that's personal based on how he's wired you, based on how he's created you, and that is a good thing. But we exist in such a larger movement of what God wants to do. It really is in a community and in a team. We can't accomplish God's mission for our life alone. And so I want you to kind of keep this picture of, of the military in, in your head. And this isn't like a military recruitment video or commercial. It really is this idea of oftentimes when we think of team, we think of we just talk about things with a group of people. But the team to change the world, we actually have to do things. We have to do it with others and there has to be a commitment because the mission of penetrating the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ, there are millions of lives at stake. So this mission is vital. And the, the definition of kind of the military teamwork of, of commandos is this commandos. They team for a mission greater than themselves individually and collectively. A commandos definition of teamwork, selfless acts towards a common goal. Those of you who've been around Church in the Valley 
a while, we, we really try to operate and treat each other by the hard attitudes. Hard attitude number one is we want to put the goals and interests of others above our own. That actually is the concept of teaming. The reason you lay aside your own goals and interests is because you realize you're part of something bigger. You're part of the community that God has put together. And to accomplish things in a group, not everyone could be looking out for themselves. And so commandos in the military, they get this because their mission is crucial. And so for us, as we try to change the world with the gospel of Jesus, our mission is even greater because lives are at stake. And so we want to selfless act towards a common goal. And then the last part of a commando's definition is they don't accomplish the mission alone ever. There's, there's not really a sense of which I am going to be a lone ranger. I'm not going to do things by myself. It's always within a unit. It's always within pairs and threes and fours and groups. And that's the same in, in church life. That's the same in ministry. The idea that we cannot accomplish what God has given us alone. So the key question I want you to kind of keep at the forefront of your mind as I talk about the power of teaming is this. This is the question. Will I push past me first to be a part of something greater than myself? That's the key question all of us must ask. And if you're investigating Christianity, this idea of team is very important because God wants to lead you and he will lead you specifically. But you also can't live the Christian life isolated from people. And so this question is the question that you have to ask before you decide to follow Christ. Will I push past me first, my own vision of my own life, my own goals to actually be a part of something greater than myself that God wants me to do? That's really the test if you're ready to become a Christian. Are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? And then once you become a Christian and you decide to follow Christ, you have to ask this question every day. Because usually my own life, when I wake up, I'm not thinking about how can I team with others in life. I'm usually thinking like, how can I get to the coffee pot as soon as possible and drink my cup of coffee? Right? Coffee drinkers? Amen, right? Okay, there's three of us band together. The rest of you haven't had it today. Okay, but there's this idea of when we wake up, usually we're thinking about what's on our plate, what do we have to accomplish, and then how can everyone help us do that? I got to get to work. I got all this stuff to accomplish at work. I got to get home. I got to, you know, checkbox, checkbox. We just have to keep checking them. But this question, will I be a part of something greater than myself, is the one that we, we have to keep asking ourselves. And so I wanted to just keep that in the forefront of your mind. Will I push past me first? And so this morning, there may be some things that God brings to your own mind. Are there some areas in your life where it is me first? And God may just be putting his finger on it. That's what God does. He speaks to us through his word. And when God speaks, there's a sense of which you just, he's getting your attention. And he's saying, there's something here you need to think about. There's something here you need to do. That's God speaking to you. And so you want to, you want to kind of listen to that. And then get input from others that are wiser than you. Because God may be doing something in your heart to allow you to be a part of something greater than what you are right now. Okay? So let's dig in. What, what are the three ways that God wants to bring power into our lives as we team? Well, the first is you can actually experience the power of clarity as you team with other people. The power of clarity. Now, life, and this is like not like the secret. Life is messy, right? Have any of you been asked even today, how are you doing? And you're not quite sure how to answer that. 
Because it's like, well, I could really explain all that's happened since last week, but it's complicated. Because oftentimes life is like this picture. It's, it's a jungle, right? So when people ask, how are you doing? You're thinking, well, if you're asking if my life looks like this, I'm doing very well. But if you're asking if my life looks like this, like calm path by a stream of water where there's no stress, then my life is tragic right now. So it depends on what people mean is how are you doing? But my life is like this. I'm sure your life is like this, where you have lots of things on your plate. You're not sure the way forward in different areas of your life. You have relationships that are good and some are bad. And and you're trying to like balance your life and work and ministry and all that you need to do. And it often feels like you're trying to like build a path in a world like this. And there's vines and there's brush and you can't hardly see the way forward. The way God brings power into life, oftentimes in clarity, which we all want, comes from as we follow the leaders that God's placed in our life. Now, if I were to ask you how many of you want clarity and direction, I think we'd all raise our hands. We all long for a clear path ahead. We long for the brush to be cleared in the jungle of our life. But then when it's like, how many of you just can't wait to follow your leader? It's like, oh, I really like clarity, but following is difficult. It's difficult for all of us. But what God has done in teaming is he's placed leaders in our life to lead us. And if you have a leader over you, you have a role to follow. And so in God's team, he's obviously the head. He is the leader over all of us. But then he also puts leaders in our life, in the family, in our work, in church, in every arena where we have to choose. Will I follow the leader in front of me to accomplish what I need to? And it is a challenge because have have any of you been faced with a leader that sees things differently than you do? Isn't that so frustrating? Following is easy when their ideas are your ideas. Their methods match yours. Their approach, the way they handle situations, the way they relate is just like you do. This is like the best boss ever, but it's when a leader over us does things differently. That's that's where we experience that that rub. But what you find again and again in life is that clarity comes, direction comes, not when we forge our own path and just live independently and do our own thing. God's placed authority in our life. It's like an umbrella that protects us. And when we follow the leaders over us, clarity comes. And you, you actually find this in Scripture again and again. People who choose to follow the authority in their life to to make it a joy for them to, to listen, to work aggressively, to move the mission forward on the team they're a part of, real clarity comes. And I want to share a specific story in the life of Paul. And I'm going to be talking about Paul a lot this morning because he really does epitomize accomplishing a mission with a group of people. Paul started churches in the New Testament. He wrote about two-thirds in the New Testament. And he's a big pioneer for really the Christian movement because of his work and the work of the team that he partnered with, we're here. It was his expanse and him starting churches and him training leaders and him sacrificing that with a group of people helped us where we are today in in modern Christianity. And I want to share an instance of what kind of was happening at this time where he was leading and hearing from God and a group of people were coming alongside him and they, they needed direction. 
In a specific instance, God gave direction to Paul. And I want you to pay attention to what kind of the team uh, did. This is in Acts 16. And it says this. And you'll see it up here on the screen. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, who got the vision from God? I was speaking at churches and they all did that. They said nothing. And then I said, no, you can really answer. Who got the vision? Paul. If you notice the pronouns, the vision came to him, came to Paul. Paul had seen the vision immediately. Then notice how it switches. We. We thought and we concluded that this is where God wanted us to go. Isn't that so interesting? They're waiting on God to lead them. Where do we need to take the message of Christianity Who are the group of people that we need to go to to help, to serve, and to love? They could have gone anywhere. And the vision came to Paul. And the team concluded since the vision came to Paul, and he was leading this group, the vision had come to them. That's an amazing picture. Because if I'm honest, if like Paul shares the vision, I'm a little disappointed. And I'm just going to be honest and think like, why didn't like the vision come to me? Right? Paul says, hey, I, I had this vision. And I could imagine the other guys, like, was there just a pause inside of them? Like, well, like, how come I didn't get a vision? How come God didn't speak to me? And I'm sure there was a little bit of that just tension within them. But what you see is they did not allow them to allow that to steer them from the mission. The vision had came to Paul. And what's really fun is like what happened after the team actually went forward. God spoke to Paul. Paul led the team. The whole team concluded, let's go. And then a short while after, a gal named Lydia came to know Jesus Christ and her family unit was changed. And what you begin to see is from them obeying God and from them following their leader, people's lives were changed. And so the way forward for these men at this time, which was Timothy and Paul and Silas and Luke, the way forward to them was God was leading Paul. They were following Paul. And they were moving forward and they were experiencing clarity like they never had. That's what God wants to do for us. As we follow those that are gone before us, the people that are leading us are these people that are on the front path, cutting through the jungle. And God has placed leaders to get through some of the dense things we experience. So a leader's job is to lead well, to sacrifice for their followers What that means is you're in the front of the path. You're experiencing the heaviest brush, the thickest part, the greatest danger. And you do that so the followers behind you have a clearer path. But if you don't follow the leaders who are doing that, you could blaze your own trail, but there's no strength there. You're by yourself. There's no help. There's no protection. And you can't accomplish what God wants in your life. So the power of clarity, you see that again and again comes through as we follow well, as we lead well, as we play our role, things can happen. And certainly in church life, you see that. We have great leaders here at Church in the Valley who sacrifice and great followers who follow. And what you see is through a group of people, a group of volunteers, we have a church and people's lives are being changed. And great clarity is coming. That happens as everyone plays 
their role. So that's the first thing, the power of clarity. I've experienced this in, in my own life. I stand on the shoulders of men who've come before me. Uh, there's a picture here of the network uh, pastors. Some of these guys you actually have heard in this series. There's Bevan and Randy. But in the middle is Harold Bullock, who started the 17-6 network. And he sacrificed a lot in his life to help train and to get churches started. The men in this picture have also helped train and helped get churches started. And for the younger generation, you continually need people who are going before you to advance God's mission. And for us who are getting older, we have to continue to go before those behind us to advance God's mission. Because people are longing for God to lead them. But so many times we have to clear a path. We have to clear a path. We have to, we have to push forward the darkness. And great clarity comes. And so that happens as, as we team, as we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. And at Church in the Valley, we, we've done that. We're a church that's connected to those who've gone before us. And I'm grateful for that. So that's the, the power of clarity. The second power that you get is the power of endurance. And that is the idea that you and I will face things that are beyond us that we actually can't fully handle by ourselves. The good thing is when you decide to follow Christ, he will lead you and he will help you. And he will provide for you in ways that you can't imagine. Because his resources are unlimited, but many times the resources God brings into your life are the resources of people. And that's why teaming is so important because he wants to give endurance to your life through the lives of others who are experiencing similar things, who are facing difficult circumstances. Because life, life is hard. And I know that there's some of you even right now who are facing things that it just feels beyond you. And it's kind of weighted on your shoulder and on your head and you just kind of feel like your knees are buckling a little bit. I want to encourage you, God wants to put endurance in you, but it's going to happen as you open your life up to other people. In America and Western Christianity, we really do pride ourselves in independence. You know that the old like mantra, there's no I in team, but if you're like the second part, but there is, there is in win, like who, like who thinks of that? Like that just shows you how like we just... Win at any cost, right? There's something in us like we can't, there's no I in team, but yeah, but if you want to win, you've got to look out for yourself. And that, that kind of is in, in us all. I've been coaching my, my son's soccer team, and it's amazing the things that I say as a coach. Like, don't steal the ball. He's on your team. You know, I, I, I find myself saying that. And I, as I listen, I'm like, this is the craziest coaching I've ever, like, but it's, that's where they're at. They're six years old and they're thinking, there's the ball. I need the ball. His jersey may look like my jersey, but he has the ball. Or don't stand in front of them. You're blocking the ball. You know, stuff like that. And then sometimes just play like. Just be on this field. Please. Right. But independence is so real. But you know when you realize that it's not the best strategy is, is when you face difficult things. And that's where people are at in this community. There's some people even in this church, like they're facing hard things and they're alone. And God wants to raise us up as a team of people 
to help those around us. And you experience great endurance as you pull in towards a group of people. I want to challenge you. There are certain things that happen in life that are difficult, that we face that's hard. Sometimes we failed and we're embarrassed. Other times just things happen around us and they, we're hurt. Many times when this happens, we, we get into like isolation strategies. And there's two key ones we do. The first is we get hurt, we get overwhelmed, and we're before a group of people, but, but we can put on like a happy face. And sometimes even as Christians, we can be the biggest fakers of them all. Like, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And inside, you know, you're crushed. Inside, you're broken. Inside, you're lonely. And you feel all alone. But we can put on the facade and what tends to happen, what begins to happen as we, we fake it, is we begin to pull back from people. This happens all the time. We get hurt. We're overwhelmed. And we pull back. And as we pull back, it gets a little bit darker. And then as it gets darker, we pull back even more because we think no one's there. And since no one's there, we pull back even more in the darkness. And this is how the enemy, Satan, takes us out. He removes us from a pack. He removes us from a group, just like the animal kingdom. And he just isolates us. And so that's the first thing. We, we face difficult things and we pull back from people. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes we feel ashamed. But we pull back and then there's no help. And since there's no help, it justifies pulling back. And it's this vicious cycle. It happens again and again. So that's the first thing we, we tend to do. The second is we find one person in our life and we think this person is the one that has to handle all the messes that we find ourselves in. It could be a parent. It could be a spouse. It could be a kid. It could be a best friend. It could be a coworker. And we have all these things that are weighing on us. And we think, I cannot handle this. And we dump it on one person. And if you've been that one person, it does feel like a dump truck has just unloaded on you. Like, wow, I have my own stuff. And you begin to think like, I can't handle all this. And because life's not even meant to be lived, just you and one person. You cannot live your life alone just with your own family, with your spouse, with your kid. Our life's not meant to be unloaded on one person. And so I want to encourage you, don't. Pull back from people, pull back from people and then look and see no one's there. Oftentimes, no one's there because you've pulled back. Second, don't find the one person who can save you and unload your life on them. Only God can do that. And then what God does is as you unload your life on him, he begins to bring people around who can help you. So fight that urge and that tendency that strategy just to, to pull back. But instead, be real with where you are. Share. Be open and honest. That's another one of our values. Share. Have integrity with where you are in your life. And here at Church and I, we, we want to help you. And God brings the endurance as we do that with a group of people. Again, in the life of Paul, you, you see this. And this is like a crazy scene that you have to kind of pause to think about. So as I explained, Paul and his team 
are starting churches and telling people about Jesus Christ, whom they've heard. And they've heard that, that he kind of had this message and they heard most likely about his, his death and the burial and about this. Now he, he rose again and he ascended back into heaven. And this movement is starting, this movement of these little Christians, of this Christianity. And it's starting to kind of put tremors in the organized religion of the day and of culture. And the leaders and those in authority are starting to get nervous. And they think the way that we're going to squash this Christianity movement is let's throw the people who are the most bold and outspoken in their faith, let's throw them in jail. And so they were gathering up Christians. Some were thrown in jail. Some were killed for their faith to squash Christianity. And what happened was the opposite actually happened. But them trying to, to squash it instead of squashing it was like they threw fuel. And people's lives were transformed even more because people stood strong in their faith. And in one instance, you see this power of endurance happen in the life of Paul and Silas. They were thrown in jail. And check out this, this scripture in Acts 16, 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Sometimes you read scriptures like this. And if you ever read like the Bible at home, and maybe you got your cup of coffee, and it's in the morning or it's at night, and you're... You're reading something and it's like, okay, and they were thrown in jail and they were singing hymns. Man, this is good coffee. Like, wow, what have I got to do today? And it just kind of rolls right through your brain. I don't know about you. Now, this is like full confession. I've never done time. Okay. It's just not, it's not part of my story. Some have, and God has actually saved them in prison. But Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for their faith and in this instant, they have a, a de decision to make. How, how are they going to respond? Now, if I am going to get thrown in jail, the last thing I'm thinking is like, what song should I sing before God in jail? I'm thinking, how long will I be there? Does my family know I'm there? Are there restrooms? Food would be good. That's the stuff I'm thinking. And I'm saying that very calmly, but it'd be like, is there restrooms? Like, that's how I would sound. But the picture I see in my head is, is Paul and Silas walking together and Paul looking at Silas and being like, shaking his head, like we've got an opportunity. And Silas just thinking, this dude is crazy, man. He doesn't <laughs> stop, but he's, he's right. And to be in prison with people who've lost their freedom, they have no peace, they have no hope, and they're in shackles. And for Paul and Silas to think, we have an audience of the very people that need Jesus. Let's sing a song in praise to him. What a scene that would be, the prisoners listening to these two men who are thrown in there for sharing their faith about the difference that Jesus made in their life. And the reason they did that is because they weren't alone. They had each other, and there's a sense that they endured in this together. And we don't know what the story would have been if Paul was alone in this specific instance or if Silas was alone, because they weren't. And God gave them this endurance to withstand one of the most difficult things they'd face. But God was with them. And they received this endurance and the help that God brought. That's a great picture. So we get the power of clarity. We get the power of endurance. And the last thing is we get the power of synergy. Now, every time I say synergy, you, you, just, you have to get your hands and you, you do this. This is like the hand motion for, for synergy. 
It's just synergy. Okay. But synergy is defined like this in the, in the dictionary. You can throw that up on the, the screen there. Synergy, the combined power of a group of things when they're working together that is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. Sometimes I read the dictionary. I'm like, I'm actually more confused. You're, you know, this is kind of one of those. But the idea is like the individual parts are not as powerful as when those parts come together and they're part of something greater than the individual parts. That may not have made sense either. But this is the, that picture of synergy, individual components that come together and they join. And there's a power that they have as they join together. That's what God wants to do in a group of people. And I mentioned Paul in each of these instances, and I'm going to mention him again, this last point. Because again and again, Paul decided that he was not going to be a revolutionary by himself, independent from a group of people. God spoke to him. God used him. God gifted him. God led him. But he was always looking around him as who he could bring along. And that's what God wants us to do. Who can we team with? Who can we partner with to advance the light into the darkness? I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but one of the next steps today is to read through the book of Acts before the end of the year. And if you've never read through the book of Acts in the New Testament, it's really the, the description and the account of the founding and start of Christianity after Jesus ascended into heaven. And it's a great picture of teaming together. And on the backside of, of your handout, if you're, you're following along, there's some missionary journeys that, that you see in which Paul teamed with a group of people. And I want to just briefly go over them. You see the Antioch ministry team in Acts 13. The primary purpose here was to begin to build up the church so they could send people out to start more churches. This was a core team of five. Paul's first missionary journey was to Cyprus and throughout Asia Minor to preach the gospel and to plant churches. There was a core team of three, Paul and Barnabas. And then his second missionary team, he's revisiting the churches and the first missionary team. And then getting to Asia Minor and eventually to Europe. This was a core team of six. What's happening is these core teams are starting and they're starting this church and ministry. And this church is getting started where it didn't exist. And people are coming to know Christ and lives are being changed. And then these people, because their lives are being changed, want to be a part of continuing to do this in different areas. And so people are staying at this church and people are leaving this church to start new work. And they're all teaming together in this first century world help people come to know Christ. So you see the third missionary team. He's going to Macedonia and Greece to visit the churches and then to bring a collection to Jerusalem so the work can continue. It's just this compounding effect of people teaming together. Now, if you've read the New Testament at all, Paul writes a lot of letters to these churches and these churches represent the power of synergy, a group of people that were starting something that they couldn't have started by themselves, individual as individuals. And oftentimes when we read these letters, he does greetings. Now, how many of you kind of skip the greetings in the beginning of the letters? Get me to verse four, right? Because verse one through three are names that you cannot pronounce. But in the verse, the first verses of the letters to the New Testament churches, Paul is saying, this is the team. This is who I partnered with. This is who God placed in my life to accomplish his mission. And he greets them peace to them. And it's this idea of like, here's what I'm a part of. It was never just about him. 
It's a great picture. And then in Romans 16, there's a whole chapter. If you've never read Romans 16, that's also a great chapter to read where you just see the life that Paul decided to live by choosing to do life with other people. And in that book, 29 people are mentioned specifically in that chapter alone. 29 people. He took the time specifically to say, these are all the people that God has brought in my life. And we've been able to accomplish the mission together. And he's writing that to encourage us today. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And he uses some descriptions to define these relationships, sister, servant, patron, beloved, kinsman. He has one that's fellow prisoner. That's my favorite because remember he did time, right? So he's saying, hey, for all of you that have been thrown in prison as well, my fellow prisoners, only some of them got that green. That was like the street cred greeting, like only a few, but he's recognizing like I've done time. You've done time. We are fellow prisoners. Describes people as mother and brother and host, but his favorite description is fellow worker. And what's so fascinating about fellow worker is it comes from the original language written in the Greek, which is synergio. Synergio. Doesn't that sound like another word? Synergy. That's what it is. Fellow worker. That's where we get the, the word synergy from. Synergio. And the definition... That is to work together, to help and work, to be partner in labor, to put forth power together and thereby to assist. There's a power that God brings. In Romans 16, you see these descriptions he gives to these people. Timothy, my fellow worker. Priscilla and Aquila, my favorite workers. My fellow workers. Sorry, not his favorite. He didn't say that. I've caused some problems in the church. Fellow workers. This idea of these people who we have power because we're assisting each other. These people have come alongside to move the mission forward. So God brings clarity as we lead and as we follow. He brings endurance as we draw into a group of people instead of pull away. And he brings synergy as we realize that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And many of you know, as we've shared, my wife and I and our family, we're going to be starting a new church next summer. And we're fellow workers, and it's bittersweet as, as we're going to be transitioning out of Church in the Valley, Alhambra. The reason we want to do this is, is because we want to take the light into the darkness. And we don't do that alone. We do that with a team of people. And this network that we're a part of, and us being a part of Church in the Valley, we're fellow workers together. And I know many of you have been praying for us as we've been kind of getting ready for this, this launch, and I would encourage you to do that. And as we transition out and there's going to be a new leader that, that's raised up, it's going to be an even greater time for us as a church to team together, to follow well and to lead well. But more than that, to realize that we're part of something greater than ourselves. So just as Paul and all the people that he teamed with looked for all the opportunities, we have the same thing. There's 23.8 million people in Southern California. And millions of those do not yet know Jesus. There's not one church that can reach 23.8 million people. We need churches who team with churches who team with churches. 
and people who are discipling people who are discipling people. And there's a sense of which we are just working our part with what God's given us with a group of people to change the world. And I want to encourage you. Pull into what God wants to do in your life and in here at Church in the Valley. There's no fun in the sidelines. And you need to take some time to check this church out. You need to take this time to kind of figure out this group of people. But again, in the isolation, it's dark. So I encourage you, pull, pull in to what God wants to do here. There's so many people that need to hear about Jesus Christ. And God's put a team together here. We're doing this together. And we have these women's ornament exchanges and men's bowling nights and Christmas Eve services, again, not for ourselves, that we can team together to invite people to this community. Because people long for this. They long to be a part of a team. They long to not be alone anymore. They long for endurance in the things that they face. They long for clarity in their life. And in Christ and in his church, they can find it. So I want to encourage you. Pull in. And ask God, how can he use you as you team with a group of people? I want to invite the band up as I, as I close out. And you could take some specific next steps uh, this morning. And I, I encourage you to do this. Each week, it's so easy to come and you listen and you greet people and then you leave. But God actually wants us to change. He wants us to apply what we've learned. He wants us to live out scripture. And so these next steps are, are suggestions the best next step you can take is to do what God has told you to do. That's the best next step. So if God's told you to do something today, do it. Do that first. So you may want to write that down on the back of your connection card. So pull out that connection card and you can see that the next steps on there. Finish filling that out if you haven't yet. But the first suggestion is just thank God for the team here at CIV. There's a team sitting all around you. There's a team that are watching our kids. There's some people that aren't here that are part of our team. And so many times you could take that for granted. But thank God for this church and the team that he's provided. And then maybe thank somebody that's told you about this church or that's allowed you to experience this. And there's just this gratitude that, that we can have as we realize God's given us a team to be a part of. That's a powerful thing. So you may want to do that. And the second is to ask God to show me any isolation strategies. Are, are there things that you're facing right now that you're taking those steps back? And only you know if you're doing that. Other people can suspect, but you know your own heart and what you're doing. So just ask God, is there anything that you're dealing with? And instead of moving towards people, you're pulling away. Is there somebody that you're just unloading on? And you've just pinpointed them as the one who's going to save you. Just ask God to show you that. And then the last is, like I mentioned, read through the book of Acts by the end of the year. And as you do that, God could use that to encourage you to be a part of the greatest movement in the history of the world. And that's to help people come to know Jesus Christ. So consider one of those next steps. Mark one of those. I'd love to pray for you this week. And if I've not met you yet, I'm going to be out here at the front after the service, and I'd love for you to come and introduce yourself. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the fact that 
you relate to us personally and you lead us. And we don't have to guess as to if you're here, because again and again, you've shown as you've led your people that you've you draw into them and you lead them. And you do that with us today. Thank you for the examples of those who've gone before us, who've risked safety and a peaceful life. And they've teamed with other people so that we may know about your son, Jesus. God, show us if there's any isolation strategies we have in our own life. Show us where we're faking it, where we're pulling away from people. And God, help us to draw near to those around us. Thank you for this church, for the team that you put together. God, will you continue to accomplish your will and your mission through us? Give us the strength to keep in step with you and your spirit. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.